You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Wolcaster. That's not true. That's impossible. You're listening to Making Tracks. I'm Mark Newbold, and joining me today is a man who, if he was conducting the London Symphony Orchestra, he'd ask them all for their bus fare. Mark, how are you doing? Tickets, please. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I can tell you're on fine form. What's new with you? Oh, mate, I tell you what, I'm doped up to my eyeballs on cold medicine. I don't think it's COVID by any stretch of imagination, but I've got quite a bit of a cold, and it's really starting to kind of affect my, you know, your head when you, your head just starts to feel really thick and pounding. So it's probably the Sudafed talking more than anything. I'm going to get a sensible, logical episode this time. It's the Sudafed clearly knows more about Star Wars than you do. Obviously, including Dave Tree, have you ever had a sensible? kind of episode well I wouldn't want one I'm very well there's some stuff we've both done separately but sort of together yeah your usual torrent of Star Wars stuff especially in a week where a new show hits on Disney Plus yeah I mean I was down at the, the press preview on the Tuesday before Andor came out which came our way courtesy of Lucasfilm and Disney guys in the UK so I managed to get some of the Rebel Legion and there was some of the Bio First and all that down there so quite nice actually because it came about really quick and very short notice but kind of seeing people again in that Leicester Square brought back all the memories of like all the premiers we did over the last kind of five or six years so it was just a shame that you mm. weren't there my friend yeah, just the way work landed. It was a it was a particularly busy week, but there'll be other stuff. I, I can't see all this uh, this madness madness stopping anytime soon. I I think you're right. To be fair, Star Wars is here to stay, at least for the uh, the short to medium term, shall we say? Which will probably see us both out. <laughs> I I I to, to be honest, I will be disappointed if it doesn't. Agreed. We haven't done a studio episode uh-huh. for about a month because we've been out and about at stuff. We've had D twenty three episodes. We've had Return of the Garrison episodes and there's more of that to come. So it's the first time we've had a chance to sit down and say, Mark, what has come into your collection this week? Ooh, uh, so actually I had a nice, how can we put this? Let's call it a care package from Greg Alonso and his delightful and very beautiful wife, Susie, from Celebration, which did include a Celebration programme. No hints there, Mr. Newbold, but you should have... It's in my bag. (laughs) It's literally in the bag next to me. It's literally here. Okay, fair enough. Oh, you know, I'm now going to have to sell it on eBay for a profit. Oh, that's terrible. fair enough. Got my celebration <laughs> program. I've got a couple of kind of like uh, drinking mugs and stuff like that from them uh, from Galaxy's Edge. Got my Malcolm Tween print that I pre-ordered for celebration, and they put in the Andor poster that they I think they handed out a celebration. And a lovely little patch because Susie and Greg got married on May the 4th. At one point, it was going to be a big whoop-de-doo and then the pandemic happened and they kind of sh- like shrunk it down. But we still got these little patches made. So it's like them in the kind of Manelian Falcon cockpit because Greg does a fantastic Aww. hand solo. So it's quite a nice thing. Does. I don't know if that is to suggest that Susie's Chewbacca or Princess Leia, <laughs> but I will float that question next time I see them both. How about yeah. yourself? What have you had? 
Not a huge amount. I've had my latest batch of comics through from Automatic cool. Comics. Yeah. So thank you for that, Mr. Booker. They're here and they're ready to get read. A few bits have gone upstairs. Well, the main thing that came actually wasn't a th- wasn't a collectible thing, but it was part of the collection, if that makes sense. It was some display materials. So it's some new sort of um, staggered tiers to put my Lucasfilm bits and bobs on. So that's come together really nicely. I do like the little plastic coin stands. Yes. You know, they're nice to dot around the room, but you can also put badges on them. You can put patches on them. So I've bought a few of those. So that's that's been the main thing that's sort of come into the room this week. It's it's those sort of peripheral bits that you don't generally think of. Yeah, the kind of things that we all need, we all know that we have mm. to buy, but then obviously you look at it and go, oh, that's 25 quid. That's a, a vintage collection figure or that's that. And it, yes. it's that whole annoying thing. It's like even when you have to buy bags and boards, it's just like, oh, that's an extra 10 of oh. I can't spend on Star Wars. And it's like, well, technically... You are, because it's for the collection and it's for your preservation of your collection. But still, it's just a little bit kind of, oh, it's a bit boring, isn't it? A bit dry. Enough of that. Let's get into the news. Myself on Friday, you on Sunday, both went to the Albert Hall, which is always a very nice place to go for whatever reason, be it Last Jedi premiere or some amazing music that was being played. This was sort of somewhere in the middle. It was Return of the Jedi being thrown up on a very, very beautiful big screen with the London Symphony Orchestra playing the music. We had a blast on Friday. The crowd was red hot and up for everything, laughing at all the jokes, loving all the action. Brilliant night, and it was packed. How was it on Sunday for you guys? Well, so Sunday, actually, we chose, or say we, there was no we about it. I chose to go for the the Sunday (sighs) matinee. And I don't quite know why, other than I thought, well, it's a Sunday and... Next day is going to be school day, and I can imagine, you know, it's just going to be more hassle and faff getting back. So we went on the, the Sunday during the day, which is actually quite nice in itself because you can spend a little bit of time wandering around London and stuff like that beforehand. I'd say it's pretty busy. I don't think it must have been sold out. Crowd was uh, was fairly on high spirits. They were laughing at everything that needs to be kind of like laughed at. It's always interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of wonder how many people are there who have been dragged along by their significant others who aren't necessarily Star Wars fans. And in fact, I know one friend, she took her boyfriend and he's not a Star Wars fan and he had a great time. I don't think he was too fussed about the actual film per se, but the actual you know performance and the fact that you have this live orchestra meters away from you, that's what makes it really fantastic. And, you know, obviously it's a Royal Albert Hall, the sound is just fantastic. You do wonder often how many of the people in the room have either got no interest in Star Wars and just enjoyed the experience and the atmosphere that was there. Lots of lightsabers on Friday night. Oh, interesting. And also, mm. how many people have seen Return of the Jedi for the first time? Maybe there were some people in that room that was the very first Star yeah. Wars thing they've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, isn't it, when you, uh, when you kind of think about it? Especially now, there's a wave of this. I mean, uh, you probably saw as, as well as I did. But on the big screen coming up in the next month or so, you've got uh, yeah. Casino Royale and Skyfall and Spectre. Yeah. They're all in concert and they're doing Home Alone. And right. they, I think we do like the, some of the Harry Potters now and again. So, you know, I, I suppose that's the thing. It's like, if you think about it, and I always try and push people towards this and kind of say, look, if you're going to see a film, see it on the big screen because that's where it's meant to be intended. And I suppose this, in some respects, is like the pinnacle of being able to hear what the actual orchestra would have sounded like when they recorded it. Now, fair points in this performance that I was just firmly watching the screen, completely forgot that actually there was a live orchestra just yes. metres away. We were on the deck, literally slap bang in the middle, midway back. I have no idea in terms of Royal Albert Hall 
if there's a prime place to sit for acoustics or not but it sounded amazing where i was so you kind of think these are the kind of things that takes it to that next level doesn't it yeah it does it does and, and like george kind of said the cinematic experience would soon be like the next theater experience i.e your tickets are going to mm. cost more but you're there for the experience and in some respects i think actually this is where it's at you know live orchestra playing the music with a pretty decent screen and perfect sound you can't argue much more than that really can you no you can't and not just any orchestra as we said it's, it was the london symphony orchestra who did the original what the first six movies uh, they didn't do the sequel trilogy movies but they did the first six just incredible to think that okay Probably, I don't know, but probably none of the musicians from 40 years ago still performing now. There may be, but I don't think there would be. But nevertheless, it's that orchestra. What a great thing for these orchestras to be able to do, especially one with the lineage of the LSO that, like I say, did Star Wars, did Indie, did E.T., did all that stuff, and be able to now go out on tour, essentially. Because I saw Jedi a couple of years ago before the pandemic. This was a delayed performance. I think this was October 2020, the tickets were originally for. To be able to go and do these concerts, just yeah. fantastic. It was a brilliant, brilliant night. If you had one choice out of all the mm. saga, which Star Wars film would you like to have the live orchestra treatment? Hands down, The Phantom Menace. Really? Hands down, okay. no doubt about it. Yeah, comfortably. I do know Force Awakens has been done in the States. So I'm thinking they're probably that's the way. They're probably going to go in the UK. But just that soundtrack is just too cool. It's just too amazing. The choir singing Jewel of the Fates. It, it writes itself. They're crazy if they don't do that. Yeah, actually, to be fair, I mean, that's the thing. But that was the one thing for me anyway that was missing from Sunday's performance was there wasn't a choir. So mm. when you had that choral music, the Vader-Luke battle at the end, I mean, the music sounded amazing. But yeah, I was just like, oh, it is just missing that choir. So, you know, if they do that and they do Phantom Menace and they actually have a choir there, that would be even better. I mean, I suppose it's having to book a choir as well as a orchestra, which is probably harder to do and also, you know, space and stuff like that. Admittedly, I thought that you would have said the solo soundtrack, but yes, I'm completely with you. I was only thinking of the, the nine films, the Williams stuff, but yeah, solo, that John Powell score, if you could get John Powell to come over and conduct it and have that going, I mean, yeah, you're right, that's, that's an incredible score. So yeah, good shout. Hey, this is Daniel Jose Older, and you are listening to Fanta Tracks. So with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II recently, thoughts turned to the honours list, which she has overseen for 70 years. That responsibility is now passed to King Charles III, who will pick up the reins when the next honours list happens, which I think will be the New Year's honours list. But it's been revealed this week that amongst the final knighthoods, honorary knighthoods that the Queen bestowed was on the maestro himself, John Williams, and former Disney CEO, Bob Iger. Wonderful news, I think, especially for Williams at this stage of his career. He's just working on the final Indiana Jones score. We heard a bit of music from that uh, a few weeks back. What do you make of that, that John Williams finally, not that he needed any more accolades because he's pretty much got them all and deserves every single one, but John Williams will be Sir John Williams. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's always nice when they honour non-British folk as well. And admittedly, Mm. I I couldn't tell you when I learnt that John Williams wasn't British, you know, I always just assumed that he was. It's just one of those yeah. bizarre things. I don't know what it is. And actually, I think probably the biggest surprise was uh, Bob Iger. I thought that was pretty cool. Both of them leaving an absolutely indelible mark on the, on the film and entertainment industry. I think the whole film concert industry, shall we say, or that kind of spectacle probably wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for John Williams for writing all these scores. 
totally agree. I think I think between the two of them, obviously Williams has got this insane lineage that goes back to Jaws and won Oscars before he ever met Spielberg. But you know, Jaws and Close Encounters and Superman and Raiders and Star Wars and all all that stuff, and obviously through to Potter and beyond. But Bob Iger as well, and I think his place in history it's secure already. He's retired and done a great job. But I think if Disney Plus keeps strengthening and going as it does, which was a gambit of his that he was keen to push, I think you'll probably look back in 10 years' time to his tenure and go, that was a game-changer, not just for Disney, but for everything. And also, he brought the Star Wars series to the UK, or back to the UK. So in terms of trade and business and jobs and all the other stuff, and the fact that we've still got Star Wars being made in Pinewood and other locations around the UK, he's a tremendous friend to the British film industry as well. Hello, my name is Aidan Cook, and you're listening to Fanta Tracks. So here's a voice you won't have heard on Fanta Tracks Radio before. Myself and Mark and Paul Naylor and a bunch of other folks from all the legions and garrisons and costuming groups all convened at the National Space Centre in Leicester recently for Return of the Garrison. Also there was James Burns from Jedi News. I had the chance to sit down with him after he'd finished his talk on stage. We'd done our talk, of course, our two episodes of Making Tracks, which went out last week, which was great fun. So this is myself and James Burns from Jedi News having a bit of a chat about the state of the Star Wars galaxy at the National Space Centre. So we're at the National Space Centre in the planetarium. There are no other people in here apart from me and James Burns. James, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. It's been a while. It has, just uh, a bit. It's nice to be in a place like this. A yes. Pro- a proper room that's a bit, a bit like a volume, isn't it? It is. It is It is very much like a volume. There's 12 projectors here uh, that, that project onto the ceiling and they can project pretty much anything. I yeah. mean, you've, you've been here for a film premiere yeah, yeah. and I've seen The Empire Strikes Back in here as well. Right which is pretty special, but it's, it, it's a great place, National Space Centre. We've been coming here for like 15 years, yep. um, and I've missed it, actually. It's a really, really good place to do events. Well, the first time I came here was 2007. Right. We were here with Adam, yep. who you're doing Jedi with. I think you've probably not long since launched. Right, yeah. There's probably, a very cool yeah. picture of the three of us right. stood next to Chewbacca. That's right, outside. outside. Yes, no, I do remember that, yeah. yep. So, it's, it, like you say, it is nice to be back in these sort of places. Now the world's starting to get back on its axis. Yep. Very much so. How's the last few years been in relation to the pandemic? How's it been for Jedi News? Yeah, it's been all right. It's been it's been weird. I think the world's shifting. I think social media is becoming more important to people. Yep. Um, and I think everyone's seeing a growth of that. Yeah, I mean, numbers have gone down on the website. I think everyone's seeing that because yeah. social media is just becoming so much more prevalent. Yeah. And I like that and I don't like that. Yeah. Um, we're a bit old school, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are. And, you know, we were just talking with Stephen Kent and he was saying that, you know, on Twitter there's a real desire sometimes to just jump in and get in, yeah. get get engaged in a conversation and sometimes you just you shouldn't get engaged because you yeah. can end up in a in a war of words very very quickly yes. and i completely agree with that and i and i try very very hard not to get involved on twitter and just because but it's tough sometimes isn't it, it is tough but i just i really do bite my tongue because i don't want to get in there and end up you know having fights with people and no. there's so many people that are just on twitter to have fights Millions and percent. you know Star Wars has got so political over the yeah. last few years and so diversive in some ways yeah. and people want to fight about it yeah. and sometimes saying nothing is I think can say a thousand words I completely agree and with what we're getting now we're on the cusp of Andor coming out yep. we've got Bad Batch coming early next year there's, yep. there's tons of stuff that's not been announced that's coming it's all looking amazing absolutely and celebrations around the corner yep. where, where are you with all of that 
Well, I mean, you know, there's just so much content. You know, I know we're not going to have... Well, there's no films that we know about that coming Im- imminently. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see a film to 24, 25, yeah. which is fine because yeah. the content that we're getting on Disney Plus is fantastic. Uh, I think having Celebration back in London is, yeah. you know, you and I, you know, we've done it together yeah. so many times. And yeah. um, to be able to work with everyone from the Mando Mercs, Rebel Legion, 501st, uh, Galactic Academy, Saber uh, Guild, and yeah. us all working together as one force is exactly how it should be. And yeah. we were just saying that, you know, we ought to be doing more of these events. Yeah. Yes. as one force yeah. because you know the the UK is such a small place yeah. and we all go to all of these events so why don't we all work together and pool our resources and have fun together because you know last night we, we were all doing karaoke <laughs> together and in the canteen here at the yeah. space center and we are having so much fun yeah. so why not do it together yeah and like you say it's nice after after the couple of years we've had yeah and even recent history Queen's passed away. Yep. As we speak, the funeral's tomorrow. You yep. know, it, it sounds weird. It's got nothing to do with Star Wars, but it's it's part of the bedrock of your life, isn't it? Yeah. And Star Wars is the bedrock of our life. Yeah, but you know, we got criticised for putting things up about the Queen. Yes. But I felt that I felt compelled that we had to honour that because yeah. if you think about it, every single Star Wars film going back to '77, even what we've had, have all been done under the Queen's reign. But more than that, they've all been done with funding from the Queen's government because even even the the the, the prequels, one of them was shot in Australia. That's well, who's sovereign in Australia? Yeah. It's the Queen. Yeah. So, good point. I think that, you know, we, we, we sort of owe her a debt of gratitude of for all the things that she's done. And, you know, we, who remembers during the, um, the sequels where we have Prince William and Prince Harry going in there yeah. and filming on Pinewood? And yeah. so, you know, I think it's. Sending up at premieres. And which has been fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's great for Star Wars fans. Yeah. So, where we are now going forward. You've laid out quite nicely, actually, where social media is more important. Websites, it's still a base. Yep. I know for Jedi News, certainly for Fanfo, yep. it's a base for everything that we do. Agreed. How do you think, where do you think that's going to lead us going forward? Do you think websites will kind of become obsolete? Do you think they'll become more treasured? There's an archival aspect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's, you know, if you try and, if you go onto Twitter, and I've done this recently, and you try and find a tweet from 10 years ago, no, no, maybe not 10 years ago, but three years sure. ago, it's difficult to yeah. find. It's not indexed in the same way that a website is. If you go to a website, you look up something from three years ago, it's easy to find. So I think until you can get that, I don't think it's going to take over. I don't. It's there, and it's, it's obviously yeah, yeah, it's there, and it's obviously very important. Yeah. But it hasn't got the rich history that a website has, where you can go back 10, 15 years longer, and you've got Wayback Machine, which right. which 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 yeah. we both use for different things, yeah, yeah. that gives you that. And I think it's all very well with the social media being the way it is, but it doesn't. It's very in the moment, and you know, tomorrow it it's and gone. Things are fickle, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I think. I think we're going through maybe a transitional phase and I think people will maybe realise that actually websites are quite important because without them we wouldn't have a lot of the content that we've got and you know both of our websites feed into social media so anything that we post on our website goes goes directly that way so you know people have always said to us well why don't you put why don't you turn comments on on your website? Well, there's no point oh, no. because you've got Twitter and Facebook and, yeah. you know... You, Good luck moderating that. Yeah, exactly. And you and I were talking about uh, Ryan Johnson before yeah, yeah. and how, you know, Devices, unfortunately... Like you said. Yeah, yeah, he's become so... You know, yeah. you, you post an article about Ryan Johnson and you get hundreds of comments. Yeah. Most of them are unfortunately negative yeah. and one or two sticking up for him saying, we'd, we'd love to see his trilogy. Yeah, yeah. But, you know... You, you can't moderate it. You can't. You can't jump into that discussion no. and, and and turn it one way. And 
I don't have the, the hours in the no, day to do that. None of us do. I'm not about to start. No, absolutely. Scary. It's very, very scary. Very scary. Well, I think it's all good. It's great. And I'm so glad we've had a chance to catch up. Absolutely. It's been brilliant this weekend. And yeah, we'll be doing it again, if not before, certainly at Celebration. Definitely, definitely look so, forward uh, to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to chat then. Absolutely. For everything in one location daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video, and social media feeds, bookmark fathatracks.com. For Star Wars News 24-7, 365. News landed this week that James Earl Jones, unbelievably, wasn't the voice behind Darth Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of course, he was the voice behind Darth Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he didn't record new dialogue. The team at Respeacher, who you, Mark, spoke to about a year ago, and you can listen to in episode 108 of Making Tracks if you want to go back to it, they set to taking all the audio of James Earl Jones's past performances and working up a new soundtrack, a new vocal version of Vader that sounded so rich and so close to what was done in The Empire Strikes Back. It's now been revealed that James Earl Jones has chosen to step away from performing the character anymore. He's 91 years old. He's got a lot of other stuff going on. He's as busy as ever. What do you think of that? That, that okay, it's always going to sound like James Earl Jones doing Darth Vader. I wouldn't have known that if they hadn't have said that he didn't actually record new dialogue. he It says in the piece that he guided them. Matt Wood mentions that he was there on hand to sort of mentor them in the, the ups and downs of the undulation of the voice and so on and so forth. But incredible work, isn't it? With Kenobi, I did think, I wonder if that's what they're using for Vader. Mm. Because there were some parts where it's just like, and this is not a criticism by any stretch of imagination, it almost felt like it was completely a word here or something nipped directly out of um, The Empire Strikes Back. The attack and the timbre and stuff like that, very familiar, which ultimately is what you want. We've seen this before or heard this before, and I think probably Star Wars Rebels would have been the most recent one, Mm. where you've had James Earl Jones reprise his role but yet, ultimately, it sounds like an older James Earl Jones to what he yeah. did in that era. So, in this instance, I think it's fine to go with this, you know, down this kind of route because actually, you would kind of almost think that the modulation and the processing that the Vader suit does would not take into account Anakin getting older. And as as we know, as we yeah. get older, like our voice drops and our voice yeah. property kind of changes a little bit. So you kind of wonder if that strips out the humanity of his voice. So therefore, you almost want it to sound fairly robotic. Obviously, you don't want it to sound like a workbench uh, dictation machines from like 1983 on, on the Amiga operating system. <laughs> However, yeah. it's that kind of thing, isn't it? You, you want that consistency. And I think that also allows for flexibility for the, the filmmakers now going forward for Vader if he appears, I don't know, in Andor or something else, to be able to know that it's kind of like, it's okay. I, I mean, I, again, I don't know what the deal is. Obviously, like you said, they brought in James Earl Jones to advise on the performance, a bit like Peter Mayhew did with the animation yes. version of uh, Chewbacca in The Clone Wars. And you wonder if maybe they might just have courtesy, just offer him the role next time it comes up. But they probably know now they don't necessarily need to worry about it per se or worry that they couldn't, then News Vader would need to recast because James Earl Jones is no longer doing it. So they've got this amazing utility and resource now that they can then take this forward and it gives that character such longevity because ultimately, no disrespect to anybody who's done it, the person in the suit is slightly more irrelevant compared to obviously the voice and the performance that voice is given. Anybody who has done a Darth Vader, he's not been available or not interested, not even close. 
it's not it's just a voice that you just cannot replicate even like some of the really good voice actors not even close for vader not even close hey this is lauren mary kim and you're listening to fantha tracks so as we await the fourth episode of the first season of star wars andor we already know there's two seasons ahead the rest of this one and all of the next one 24 episodes in total People have been asking Tony Gilroy, will he be directing episodes of season two? Will he be involved? It sounds like a hefty load to carry. And he has spoken on this. He said, I have two more years to go. We start shooting in November. That's November this year on part two. He means season two. And I don't know if dot, dot, dot. Our past pattern was two years. But I mean, I'll be on dot, dot, dot. He's very all over the place. We'll shoot from November to August. So that's a good long shoot. And then our post-production last time was about a year. So basically, in a stilted way, uh, he's basically saying they don't start shooting season two till November. They won't finish shooting season two till August. That's 2023. So it's going to come out in 2024. I have no issue with that. I think there's plenty of other Star Wars to come between now and then. We've got more Mando, we've got Ahsoka, we've got Acolyte, we've got more Bad Batch. There's probably more animated stuff to come. It's not weird, is it, to be waiting two years for this? No. God, no. From what we've seen from the first three episodes, they leave literally nothing off the screen. It's all there, isn't it? I mean, the conversations I've basically been having with people the last week or so about Andor is just like oh my god did you see how much layering they did in terms of like theming and the greeblies and you know all the set dress and decoration and just the construction everything just looks big and proper and Star Wars and to me that is going to slow stuff down so it's going to take time and if they're looking at the second season being blocks of three episodes which each block is a different year then you kind of think well every year there's surely got to be some kind of visual clue or maybe they've got to jump around the galaxy so that's probably got to be like whole new sets and stuff like that i think two years or something like this i think it's fair enough and i think also he's been quite honest about it as well he's not being a little bit vague he's can say well look you know we're going to be filming november through to august now that's a ton of time isn't it a huge amount of time mm. to do then there's also the post time and as we see in star wars it's a lot even if there's a there's not a lot of um ships flying around and stuff like that like we've seen in the first three episodes of season one there's still going to be a lot of kind of VFX work to do, a lot of cleanup and stuff like that, and all takes time. So, yeah, it's not a small project by any stretch of imagination. So I think also, again, take time, make it as good as it can be. Don't rush it just because suddenly we get to the end of season one of Andor and everybody's like, they want it now. It feels like Disney Plus, Lucasfilm and Marvel are trying out something different. You know, all the Marvel series we've had so far have been sort of six to nine episodes. Same yeah, yeah, for yeah. Star Wars so yeah. far. But all of a sudden, you've got next year, you've got Daredevil Born Again, which is 18 episodes. We've got Andor, which is a dozen, followed by a second season of a dozen. When Andor was first starting to be mentioned back in 2018, I think the first announcement, uh, and, and then as things progressed, there was talk of five seasons. But I think if you logically look at what we've got, you could do five seasons. It would probably be five seasons of six episodes. Uh-huh, yeah. So that they may have been slightly shorter. You could take the whole of those 24 episodes and conceivably break them up into six episodes, five seasons of six episodes. But why would you do that when you can lay out something as substantial as this? I'm genuinely surprised by how polarising so far Andor has been. I kind of wasn't expecting that, but actually no. I should be by now, shouldn't I? I mean, shouldn't we all? Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. There hasn't been a non-polarising film in Star Wars since Star Wars. The moment you've, you've gone away from a single film towards... Empire Strikes Back, you've then created division because it's like you've got fans of 
a new hope and then fans of the Empire Strikes Back. But yeah, it's interesting. Even in, in the household, we're debating it. And it's like, I, I guess it comes down to or boils down to what you consider Star Wars to be. If it's Jedi, if it's lightsabers, if it's stormtroopers or the mention of the Force, then obviously we haven't had any of that in the first three episodes. If you can see through that and if you can start to see maybe more of a design aesthetic and actually tropes and themes that are emerging, then I guess it could be. Everybody's got their own slight definition of what Star Wars is. And so therefore, it's how you feel. I mean, I think for as many people who have not liked uh, Andor, there's been equally as many people who have liked it. But actually, what I think the difference is from what I'm seeing, let's say, even now when it comes to uh, the discussion around The Last Jedi, whereas Last Jedi seemed to create a, a real toxicity and vehement kind of like nasty kind of sentiment and statements and stuff, people were just kind of gone, oh, it's a bit, not a lot really happened, did it? You know, it didn't really, I don't know. I'm not quite sure about this one. And that's kind of where they've parked it. They haven't gone off on some massive big tirades of like keyboard warrior statements and stuff like that, of you know, manifestos of like how we're going to pour sugar in a gas tank. It's nothing like that. It just seems like people are just gone, yeah, it's not quite what I was expecting. So I suppose that in one thing is probably not as bad as, you know, what it could be or what we've seen in the past. Hi, everyone. This is Misty Roses, and you are listening to Fanta Tracks. I have spoken. I had a good chat of the weekend with a couple of friends, uh-huh. and one really enjoyed it. The other one was very ambivalent towards it. Doesn't feel like Star Wars. Didn't like the swearing. I can remember the first time I think I, I read Jedi Search when he called Moff Jeweler Bastard. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, they went there. They've actually used a swear word. Wow. I mean, this is like... 94 95 so i would have been like 13 14 so that was amazing to me you know swearing in star wars but now you kind of go hang on a sec not quite the aesthetic that we're used to anyway and you kind of think we've been in some really tight situations think of anybody who would have been swearing like dropping f-bombs more than like anybody would probably be wrecker from the bad batch but yet you know we get through a whole season <laughs> of the bad batch and he hasn't said anything bad so very true but you are right term but actually a lot of people have used is kind of ambivalent it's not really kind of lighten their wheelhouse at the moment i, I don't necessarily think we've either we're going to switch off and we're going to suddenly see a, a massive plummet in viewing figures for like episode four for example they're definitely done in blocks and it was a smart move we, we oh, put gotcha. the team review on yeah and and jen one of our reviewers sort of mentioned that i can see now why they put the first three episodes out because they really are a block and then the fourth episode moves the story on and it's in his new locations and new characters and blah, blah, blah. And it's the start of the next three. But when we were talking about what are people going to complain about here? What, what's to complain yeah. about here? Maybe this is a generational thing because there's a lot of stuff in here that feels very, you know, original Han Solo trilogy, very West End gamesy. You know, there's lots of elements from there that feel a part of this. If you've never read the Han Solo trilogy, that's not part of your Star Wars. If you've never played West End Games roleplay, that's not part of your Star Wars. So there's lots of stuff that to certain demographics, certain eras of fans, this is like, wow, I've been waiting for this for 30 years or longer. To others, it's like, this ain't Star Wars. And and not just where are the lightsabers, where are the stormtroopers, where's Darth Vader and so on. Not the, the obvious stuff, but e- even elements like Bix and Tim, it's essentially the warm-up to a sex scene, which you don't see. People are getting quite hyped about that. But yeah, I mean, you're telling me Shmi and Qui-Gon didn't get in on in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. The tension's so, on the screen. Yeah, well, completely. Well, it's that whole thing, is it? It's that, I think, wasn't it in the uh, 
the DVD or the Blu-ray commentary, uh, I mean, Evan Kirshner kind of famously said that that kiss between Han Solo and Princess Leia in The Falcon in The Empire Strikes Back, that is as close as you're going to get to sex in Star Wars. I mean, the, the tension in that scene and the tension building up to it, yeah, in a, in a modern film or in a 15 or an 18, it would just be yeah. a shag. This is a conversation, even yes. in the young adult reader's book of Princess Leia, uh, Princess Rolderan, there is yeah. a scene where he takes down her braids after, I think we've been on a date, but they, mm. uh, I think we've been on a date or they've, they've kind of got a bit close and he takes her braids down. And I think the author kind of said, I think it might have been Claudia Gley, but it's also a simile to suggest she loses her virginity. That's how she did it. It wasn't a hand or anything like that. And I don't think anybody's technically expecting her to have been completely, you know, innocent in the ways of the world. You know, if you can fire a blaster, I'm pretty sure you could do other things. But this is what we're having. It's a conversation and a question that, needs to be raised is like does star wars need this in its programming and in its uh expanded universe materials should it be there at all i don't imagine we're ever going to get to a point where we're going to see you know nudity or anything like that in star wars but you kind of wonder how gritty could they get i mean to be fair Andor was uh in the first scene of episode one he's walking through technically a red light zone it's done in a very star wars subtle kind of way for anybody who's not really looking out for it and doesn't kind of get the context i.e people under the age of maybe 15 it will go over people's heads and i think that's fine because it's kind of then it's like well then it's functioning on two different levels so it's not a bad thing but i suppose it all depends upon how far they push it but also one of the key things that's been said for a long time and quite rightly is star wars is for everyone yes but, but by the same token if star wars is for everyone then just in the same way that you or me could get a take appreciation from Galaxy of Adventures or Forces of Destiny or whatever, which are made for kids, that they're like on the nose for kids, like Young Jedi Adventures will be for kids. We can enjoy it. We can open a little golden book and like the artwork. But by the same token, it's not unfair to service an older audience Completely. with slightly more mature yeah. content because Star Wars is going to be around for, as you said earlier, a long, long time. And it's going to be on Disney Plus forever, essentially, in one form or fashion. And so if kids of eight now come to Star Wars Andor in seven years' time, it's still going to look amazing. They're going to know more about the world. It'll be a show that they'll go, have you seen this Star Wars thing, this Andor thing? Wow, it's really good. If you've gone into Star Wars as a seven-year-old and stayed with Star Wars right through, and we'd have been raised in a time where they were doing stuff like this, and you get to 15 or 16 and you watch Andor, good grief, I, I think you'd really be hooked. Yeah. Because mm. your tastes adjust as you get older. You, you know, you, you're kind of looking for different food on your plate. So this feels like a very different meal. It does start slow. For me, I'm loving the world building. It's like walking yeah. around Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. You know, you're just yeah. walking around with your mouth open going, look at that, look at that. And I say, I'm not going to name the person I had the conversation with, but their caveat to the whole conversation was, but I might get to the end of episode 12 and think it's the greatest Star Wars thing ever. It's just my first impression. This is the thing, isn't it? It's very difficult. And, and I say this to a lot of people. How often do you read one or three chapters of a book and then go, this isn't for me? If you're given a book which is left field for you anyway, then fine. But if you're, even if you're walking up to a bookshelf and you go, oh, Star Wars, all right, Star Wars, I'm going to pick this book up, you're going to see it through. It's difficult, isn't it, you know, for people to kind of like categorically kind of make a sweeping statement and say, this isn't for me right now, this isn't my Star Wars. It seems mm -hmm. a little bit like we're cutting the nose off despite the face. However, yes. you kind of think, well, give it another couple of weeks at least. I mean, it's not a huge commitment of your time. It's going to be no more than an hour. And I think 
when you get to episode six, that's probably going to be a good halfway point for you to maybe decide whether or not you're going to stay with it. Or like I'm doing with Lord of the Rings, I'm just letting it all go out and I'm going to binge it in one hitting. Because again, you watch Book of Boba Fett in a single sitting and just watch all the episodes. It plays a lot differently to what you expect and to what you expect you want to see if you're watching it week in, week out. And I think that also changes the conversation as well. The viewing habits. When I sat in that IMAX the other day of the preview screen, and especially the end of the second episode, the first episode for me, you're kind of finding your feet and you, you, you know, you're trying to get an idea of like, did he say Bix as in B-I-X or was it Bix, B-I-double-G-S? And yeah. I was like, I can't tell. Yeah. But it was a middle second episode where you're like, oh my God, we've just got to the end of a second episode and it felt like nothing happened. But actually quite a lot did happen, which then leads into yeah. the third episode, which was amazing and actually something that worked really well on a fundamental Star Wars level even if the blasters didn't quite sound like blasters, like from what we used to, they still sounded close enough that you kind of go, okay, well, that's fair enough because actually Andor's using his dad's blaster, which basically looks like the one that Cal Katarn uses from Dark Force computer games. Oh, yeah. there you go. Now I'm making connections and suddenly this is my stars because it's what I kind of grew up on. And suddenly it's like now opens up a whole different perspective for me and makes me just want to watch their next nine episodes today. Where are they? Let, let me have them, please. Okay, well, that is all we have time for, for this week. No listener's question, but if you'd like to send in a listener's question, it would be appreciated. Mr. Newbold, can you let people know how they can get in touch? I definitely can. If you want to be a part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit phantodrax.com or check out the free... See? Nobody can do it like James Earl Jones. Find the Tracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at fanthatracks.com. Comment, like, and share on any of our social media feeds at Fanthatracks, and be sure to subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Temple for composing the Fanthatracks intro, Adam O'Brien for our making tracks opening music, and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Remember, tune in to Good Morning Tatooine. It's live most Sunday evenings at 9 o'clock UK, 4pm Eastern, 1pm Pacific on Facebook and YouTube. And just to say, whilst Andor is on, you can also catch Good Morning Tatooine on Thursday evening. Brian and special guest host of the week will be talking about the latest episodes. And check out our Fantatrax Radio Friday night rotation every Friday at 7 o'clock UK time for new episodes of the Fantafum Down Under, Planet Layer, Desert Planet Discs, Start Your Engines, Collecting Tracks, Cannon Fodder and special episodes of Making Tracks. And every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks. And that's me, well done that's me done as well so yes um, thank you very much for listening everybody we will catch you at the next episode which is 150 isn't it yeah it is isn't it that's a celebration that's like a celebration episode isn't it we need to do something special do something special I'll put on my party frock if nothing else okay so with that in mind I better go shopping and buy one everybody else have fun have a great rest of your week but until then stay safe take care and may the force be with you Coming up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's another episode of Making Tracks.